Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose. And experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, each week we want to be able to encourage you, give you stories that really enlighten you, but also just share people's journeys, but also their expertise for you to live a life of success, to realize your potential, to optimize your potential, whatever verb that you want to do, use. And today is no exception. We have Philip Cochran with us today. And Philip is really an expert with entrepreneurships and leaders has quite a story, quite a journey, traveled all around the world, and author of several books, but we'll let you let him tell you about that here in a moment. Philip, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Now, Philip, we were just talking off air that you uh, grew up in Ireland, and then you were in Vancouver, now you're in Colorado. We'll get to here in a moment. But what we like to do, Philip, is really help uh, the audience get a sense of your story and your journey. So let's just start from like where you were born, sort of the family you grew up in, and just the dynamics that were going on there. Yeah, I was born in um, in a city called Dublin in Ireland. Um, I basically lived in the outskirts in uh, in a you know a housing estate as we'd call it, a very modest modest background in a small semi-detached home with my two older brothers, uh, one who I had a fairly challenging relationship as a kid with. Um, he was pretty angry. And um, basically, my parents, uh, my my mom stayed at home. My my dad worked as a in a sales, you know, senior sales job. And you know, it was um, it was it was. I don't I don't have a lot of incredibly warm and fuzzy memories. Um, at the same time, it wasn't horrendous. It was just um, I'd say it was straightforward enough. Nothing too exciting. Um, I didn't. Uh, get into too much trouble and I didn't, uh, I wasn't that good either, but uh, very competitive brothers uh, that, you know, three brothers, three boys, very, that kind of competitive energy. And, and there was no reason for us to be competitive because we weren't very good at anything. We weren't very good at sport necessarily. Uh, we've become maybe a little bit better in business later in life. And um, yeah, I mean, if there's specific questions around growing up in Ireland, in Dublin at that time, please feel free to ask. Well, I mean, that gives us a good frame of reference, all that testosterone with three brothers. I have two other brothers, so I also have a sister that hopefully was mitigating some of our uh, beat the heck out of each other once in a while when we're growing up as teenagers. I don't get that, but that does occur. So, Philip, when you finished and moved out of it, thank you for that. What was sort of your transition as you moved out of, you know, grade school or as we call it, high school here? What was uh, really driving you from there? Where did you go? What happened? Um, just one, one, one decision after another that that I I believed would make me happier, more fulfilled, and 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 it it never came. So I kept. I think I was kind of running running from stuff. I felt my whole life I was running away from who I was, trying to be something I wasn't, trying to wear masks to fit in. I'm just very disconnected uh, for for a very 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 long time. I mean, I struggled deeply in school. Uh, I didn't understand that um, the school system didn't necessarily understand this. I was called lazy. I was called good for nothing. I was I was told by multiple teachers I would amount to nothing. Um, and you know, I basically took a lot of that, you know, those words and, and internalized them. And actually, believed to some extent it was true. I followed into you know sales roles which I didn't really like. I excelled in some of them. 
um, and just stumbled along through life, uh, hoping and wishing and praying to some extent that it would all work out. And of course, it wasn't going to work out because I kept doing things that were out of alignment with who I was. Um, and then I eventually woke up many, many years later and started to actually make decisions that were very much aligned to who I was um, and, and brought me in the direction of what I'm doing now. Well, thank you, Philip. And it's interesting because you note on your bio that you have a little bit of dyslexia, which I do as well. Interesting. I also had a teacher who said that I would never amount to anything. And guess where she was from? The UK. So uh, maybe there was this thing that's going on where, you know, if learning isn't a natural predisposition or you have learning disabilities back then when we were growing up, it really wasn't a consideration. So when you think about this, Philip, you, you had to deal with all the sort of non-supportive kind of feedback. What was the, the tipping point for you to kind of transition out of this situation into what you're doing now? Were, was there a situation that occurred or happened or an event or a series of events? Yeah, there was kind of one, I suppose. There was, there was, it was a series of events for sure, but I think there was one event that, that definitely shook me in, in, in different ways. I was asked to be a best man at a wedding in Ireland. And when I got to the venue, uh, I was petrified. And I got to the venue, I realized it was an old theater and therefore the best man speech and all the other speeches were going to take place on a stage, literally in front of the audience. And I remember in advance thinking I needed to be funny. Then I let go of that. And I said, I need to be serious. Then I need to be articulate. And I had all these masks I was trying to wear to fit in. And then eventually I just said, screw it. And I just on the day, dropped all the masks and just spoke from my heart. And at the end of the, the speech, uh, I got this overwhelming standing ovation, which for a lot of people would be wonderful and, and, and fun. For me, I just wanted the ground to open up and swallow me because I was not used to being in, in, in the public face. I was not used to be seen. Mm. I didn't want the attention. Um, but I remember coming off that stage and the very first man that walked up to me, grown man tears pouring out of his eyes he wasn't even drunk it wasn't like late in the night and everything where everybody had 10 pints of guinness it was like early in the day and with tears rolling down his face he put his arms around me and hugged me and he said if i ever get married will you be my, my best man and um, so i told him to go you know i told him to go f off as you do in ireland and he said you've got a gift and that was the first time a complete stranger said something that deep down resonated but my intellect and my mind shut it down and said he's full of shit he's only just saying that it's not real it's not true but it was the first time that i started to wonder and really wonder wow what if there is a gift there what if there is something there that is mm. has yet to be uncovered that i do not want to see or cannot see but other people are beginning to see and that was the first time it started to shift for me well thank you for that now what was it that was about your speech that you shifted that really caused the audience to be connected. If you were to capture that and to have people who are listening here about your mindset, what was that? I was actually out of my mindset. I, I was I was completely out of my brain. I connected emotionally. Um, we've dubbed this concept called soul set, which I don't want to get into right now because it feels like I'm, I'm just trying to position a concept. I was completely unaware what was going on in the day. For me, that day, I, I decided just to get out of my mind and not to try and overthink it and not try to be too clever. And I just connected emotionally and, and shared a part of my truth as it relates to the bride and groom. I mean, I just spoke what I, how I felt about them and things I'd witnessed in, in my journey with my, my best buddy and, and just shared little stories about nuances and things that we perhaps take for granted in them. And that the whole point being that I, I wasn't in my mind. I was completely outside of my mind and I was very connected emotionally. And 
that's what stirred people to also connect. I mean, I help people tell their story in one capacity of the business that I run. And they, they asked me to do speaker training and speaker training is a very intellectual approach to communication. And typically it involves connecting to your story and how to orate and how to stand and how to pose and how to posture and where to speak to and all that. To me, that's all mechanics. When you help somebody connect with their story and they, they speak that truth, it doesn't matter really what they do on stage because the audience will deeply connect with them. Awesome. So you had this uh, significant event then where did the transition to move into this field occur, Philip, or how did that happen? Many, many, many years later. I'd love to tell you that straight away I got this vision, I acted upon it, and the, the bed of red roses was, and petals was laid out in front of me, and it was all perfect. But it was, I, was still, I still was completely oblivious to the fact that I hadn't done any real deep personal work on myself. Mm. And I kept thinking that all of my success was come from external motivation external inspiration and external action and therefore you know i would be successful based on what i achieved what i didn't realize was that the amount of shit that i was carrying internally that was actually preventing me from either giving myself permission to do it sabotaging it my 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 mindset and my my soul set around money my relationship issues the anger i carried i mean it was just endless in many respects so really i i continued to struggle for many years i, I didn't forget about the best man speech um but it was on, it wasn't until i started to do a, a deeper dive into the roadblocks that I was aware of and the roadblocks I was completely oblivious to, did I really start to show up in the world and give myself permission to go after what I wanted. Awesome. And Philip, when you think about that work you did that really transitioned you from, uh, I'll use the word stuck, into being free, if, if you were talking to the listeners now, what was some of that work that you did to transition to what you're doing now. So what were some of the mindsets? What were some of the strategies so that people who are listening, if they have some similar things that they're going through, what would you recommend or what would you share with them that they could potentially consider? Well, what I did was I went into my past. Um, you know, people are so forward facing in the world today. Um, I create a lot of quotes and I put them on Facebook or I put them on my website or whatever. But one of them, I said, people who only look forward are blind. And I really believe that in hindsight, looking back, I was so forward facing. I was so focused on building a business, making money. And then it would give me this quote unquote freedom to go and do what I want, which I believe now is fundamentally flawed. And it certainly was for me. Um, I had to go back into my past or I chose to go back into my past. And, mm -hmm. you know, when I did that work, that deeper internal work, I, even at the time I was skeptical, I was going, this is bullshit. Why am I looking at my past? I, I mean, to me, it's all about changing today and therefore the future. But I didn't realize until I did that work that the past actually holds all the keys to the future, all the keys, not some of them, all of them. And it allows you to see the patterns that you will continue to repeat, regardless of whether you're conscious of them or, or, or not. It will allow you to understand why money shows up in your life the way it does, why money controls you the way it does if it does, why you are the way you are at relationships, why you have a scarcity mentality, uh, why you struggle to give yourself permission and really, really believe that you deserve mm -hmm. success and so on and so forth. And it wasn't until I understood intellectually and emotionally those things in my past, could I rewrite today and therefore change the future for myself. So what were some of the things you did to overcome them then in transition out of those or to learn about them and then move into this new mindset? 
I think my concern is the word overcome, and, and I, I appreciate the word, um, but to me, it's like when people talk about fear and a lot of my conversations, not a lot of my conversations, some of my conversations is around fear as it relates to my work and my clients, but I, I just think that this kind of desire to overcome or to kill or to move past or to eradicate, um, if I had a dollar bill for everybody who sat in front of me saying, oh, no, I've dealt with that, to subsequently find out 10 minutes later with only two or three simple questions that actually, in fact, they haven't dealt with it. And the mm. biggest blind spot they have is the fact they think they're beyond their greatest pain. They think they're beyond their greatest fear. They think they're beyond something. And what they've done is they've moved from a, an amazing place of awareness to a complete place of complacency. So to me, it's never overcoming anything. Like, for example, I've never, people assume that somebody asked me in a podcast recently, they said, how did you become so authentic? And I said, with respect, you're making an assumption I am. And she said, you're not. And I said, no, I'm more authentic than I used to be. I just have got a ton to go. I've got miles to go. So to me, I think I, I got a, a huge degree of peace with my story, a huge degree of reconciliation with it. But I've never overcome it. Like I'll still, I'm still hurt to this day by the, the teacher, Mrs. Sims, who insisted on telling me multiple times that I would amount to nothing. That still hurts me. That still is there, but it can drive me now. It doesn't hold me back. But the idea of to overcome it, uh, I'm just a little bit nervous. And I'm not trying to pick holes in words here. I'm just a little bit nervous of implying to people that I believe they can completely overcome these things. I believe they cannot completely overcome them, but they can get them to a point where they don't control them anymore and they don't hold them back. They actually lift them up, if that makes any sense. Great. So then what are the next steps? What transitioned you when you started to move? When did you decide to get into this uh, business now? And then let's move into your work, what you're doing now, Philip. Yeah, I, it wasn't a day. I mean, I, I, I mean, I suppose, you know, what a lot of people don't know and a lot of people don't want to know. This is really interesting. Today, I get so many questions like, how do I get on that stage and speak in front of 5,000 people like you did recently at some events? How do you coach, you know, Olympic athletes? How do you work with, you know, this person or that person, et cetera, et cetera. And I get all these questions and I answer the question by going, get one client. And they go, no, no, you're not answering my question. I go, no, I'm answering your question. You just don't like the answer. So what people don't necessarily want to know is we all, you know, actors want to know how they become the next Mel Gibson on a professional level, not necessarily all, you know, his challenges in his personal life. But what they don't realize is Mel Gibson started in shitty plays that no one went to see. He, he did nude scenes that he'd love to retract and take back now. He worked like a dog and did commercials and, you know, got paid like 50 bucks or did them for free. And he did all this grafting for so many years. And no one, there's so many, not no one, but there's very few people today really want to do the graft. They want to get to the end game. So what people don't know and don't ask about is that in Ireland for years, I coached people in a pub in Ireland in a little landing area up just one floor up in this pub and we'd have a cup of tea and then we might have a pint afterwards and you'd meet me for six weeks, one hour face to face every day or every once a week for six weeks. And at the end of it, you'd give me a check or cash for whatever you felt it was worth. Mm. And we would give that money to the charity you loved or a charity that we mutually agree was beneficial. And I was doing this because I loved it. I wasn't fixated on monetizing it. And that is to me is a, is, a, is, a, is a sad thing in the world today that we cannot give ourselves permission to play music, to coach, to sing, to dance, to paint, to do whatever it is we want creatively mm -hmm. without the need and desire to monetize it. And if we don't monetize it fast enough, quick enough to, the, to a large extent, therefore it hasn't worked. I would coach for the rest of my life if I couldn't do this full time and professionally. Mm -hmm. I would coach for the rest of my life. So it wasn't a day. It was just I knew I'm on this earth to do it. 
And rather than confuse it with money and try to make a full-time career out of it, I just started doing it. Mm. Well, if you think about it, um, doing it is the best way to get better at it. So I've now done 3,000 presentations, but boy, Philip, you wouldn't have wanted to have been there in the beginning. Yeah. But 3,000 later, you're a little better. And people ask the question, are you ever nervous? It says never, 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 never nervous in front of the stage now. But that's because of 3,000 presentations. So when you think about uh, your work now and helping others and coaching them, Take us through what you do with individuals and what the listeners can benefit from, from your work as far as encouraging them to go to the next step, to embrace new opportunities. You've traveled the world. So I also want to hear that story about, you know, 80, 85 countries. Wow. Uh, just the, maybe the mind, why don't we just start there? You did all these countries around the world. Just share with us that story and that journey to be, to be so well-traveled and what was driving that? Yeah, I mean, I think in, 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 at some level, it was a degree of escape um, in the early part of my life. But I, when my friends were in college, I was working. Um, I couldn't go to college because of my reading and writing disability. Um, so I traveled the world and I, I had a, a whale of a time. I mean, the, the place I always wanted to go as a kid growing up was South America because Indiana Jones was my hero because he represented in many respects everything I wasn't. He was good looking. He was gregarious. He was outgoing. He was bold. Mm. He didn't give a shit. And yet he cared deeply for humanity. And the first time I got a chance to go to South America, arguably I couldn't afford it and couldn't take the time, but I made it happen. I didn't go on, on, on Google Earth to find out where we we're going. I made a very spontaneous, very intuitive decision. And of course, then I ended up meeting my wife, who was Irish, on the same trip, which was a little bit strange. But, cool. you know, I think every, not everything, but I think lots of very, very good things in terms of my awareness, in terms of clarity, in terms of understanding who I am, what I'm here to do has come from actually getting out of my comfort zone. I mean, I left the country I love. I left Ireland, not because the police were chasing me, not because I was avoiding tax. I left Ireland because I needed to let go of everything around me in order to find out who I was. It's very, very difficult, not impossible, very, very difficult to discover who you are when you're surrounded with so much familiarity, because I don't care what anyone says. Everybody I've ever met cares cares what other people think of them, some to a larger extent than others. And while our families want us to be happy, generally speaking, our families just don't want us to change. And in order to be happy, often it requires us to let go of who we are, our identity, the things that we've done, mm. the work that we do. And what happens is our families get nervous of that. And they say things like, hey, honey, I just want you to be happy. Do whatever you want. I just want you to be happy. But really... They want you to be happy, but they don't want you to change too much. So I needed to leave the familiarity of everything I knew. Mm. And what allowed me the freedom to understand, like I never felt so free when I traveled. Um, so that was a huge indication for me. So travel has really educated me in so many ways and it's given me a lot. And um, I can't specify specifically what it's given me, but it's given me freedom. It's given me perspective. I get to see... I look at Canada and I see a perspective that not necessarily every Canadian agrees with or can see. I can see America in a different way than a lot of Americans. Uh, like you can probably see Ireland in a different way that I can't see. So it's given me this really great perspective as an outsider in many, many countries as I've traveled the globe. Sweet. So now, Philip, tell us about the work that you are doing now with your clients and teams and, and what are you doing there? I mean, you've worked with Olympic teams. You've even worked with the Pentagon 
share with the listeners sort of your journey there, but also what you're doing with them and how some of your strategies might help them? Yeah, it's less strategies. It's really I meet people where they're at. And, you know, it's very, very custom to basically, depending on where an individual at. I mean, while from an ego, some of the accolades and the different things in the terms of the profile and the millionaires and all these people I work with and famous people or whatever, it sounds great in theory. But at the end of the day, the same principles apply. And the challenge of working with well-known people is, generally speaking, they don't want to be seen doing any of this ter- internal work publicly because they don't want people to see the fact that they're actually human, which is a sad reality in the world. So my sweet spot is working with individuals and couples uh, who maybe have a desire to be an entrepreneur, are an entrepreneur, and maybe they just don't feel that they're fully aligned. They, they maybe have achieved success but they don't feel satisfied. Maybe they have a business that they thought when they reached a certain goal would give them the sort of success and joy that they wished for, but they feel there's something missing. And I help those individuals identify what that is and and then pivot and move and make changes in their lives to achieve that. And I work in three primary areas and it's all about relationships, relationship to the work that we do, making sure it's meaningful and it's connected to who we are, uh, relationship with ourselves, which is the most understated relationship on earth. And yet I working with people and doing a deeper dive on that when they can understand and connect with themselves at a much deeper level. Um, it's amazing what they learn about themselves, their creativity, their leadership and everything else changes and the relationship to the closest people around them. The level below that is the work I do is identity, uh, deep dive into who you are at the core and therefore what you're on this earth to do. What is your gift versus your talent? How can you impact the world and how by and the byproduct of those three things is the legacy that you leave. That's the, the deeper framework that I, I work with and bring people on a journey through. Philip, let's just go back. Thank you for that. Is Go back. You said that gift and talent is different in your vernacular. Just describe the differences. I think the best example is just a home example here. My wife is an accountant. Um, she was very talented with numbers growing up. Um, she was good in, with math in school. Her career guidance person looked at her and said, listen, you're good at math. You come from a, a very poor background or maybe a modest background, so it's a great way to, to get money. Uh, she put one and one together and came up with uh, six and a half, and it made total sense. Uh, the reality is it didn't because she was talented with numbers, but that wasn't going to fulfill her. So one of the tragedies in the world today is people get, they, quote, they say, quote, unquote, passionate about something, and then they do it for five years, and they wonder why the passion has waned. It, it, it wasn't their passion. They were just excited about it. Um, so people are saying to me, like, they're, you know, passionate about motorbikes, they're, they're passionate about wine, they're passionate about music, they're passionate. About, it's, it's, not, it's not the subject matter. It's go beyond that and say, well, what is it about the bike that gives you that sense of passion? Is it really passion or is it just excitement? So to me, my wife is, is very gifted and she now works with women and I, you know, you know, in a coaching capacity and so on and so forth. And you can really start to see her gift emerging, her ability to shift people emotionally. That to me is a gift. A talent is just, she's very good with numbers, but she is the one of the worst accountants in the world because she was never destined to be an accountant. So I think we've mixed up and there's a very, we've muddied the water between gifts and talents. And just because you're good at something doesn't necessarily mean it's going to fulfill you. Just because you're good at something doesn't mean it's what you're meant to do. Just because you're good at something doesn't mean it's going to make you happy. Um, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs mix this up. Um, I work with a lot of successful entrepreneurs who eventually run out of steam around their business and they're looking for something more fulfilling and more meaningful. 
We've seen it with Bill Gates, for example. We've seen it with a lot of these big, you know, they, they do something and build something based on primarily talent often, but eventually that runs out. They come back to the drawing table and go, great, now, how can I make an impact in this world? And that is always in the gift space, not in the talent space. Awesome. Agreed, 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 Philip. Now, Philip, uh, when you're working with um, clients, what would be some other things you would do with them that you could share with the listeners so that they could go to the next level as well. Make them cry. And uh, how do you do that? I'm joking. Um, a lot of people, there's a joke going around or this kind of in terms of, you know, McKernan's the guy that makes you cry and make sure you grab Kleenex when you go to McKernan and et cetera, et cetera. And I used to shy away from that, but the reality is there's some truth in that, but I don't make anybody cry. I create an environment that sometimes that's what ends up happening, which basically means to me is that people go deeper than the intellect. Mm-hmm. They go, 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 you know, deeper than their thought process. The starting point for me is a reality check is like, um, is your life, is your life okay? Is, 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 is the status quo okay with you? And if it is, then my work is not for you. So people come, I, and I always smell the ones that are just curious. They're coming along, they're sitting in a room, they've paid good money, they've flown thousands of miles for the clarity that they don't actually want. They don't really want to grow because they're afraid of what's possible for them, but they want to be in the room to be seen to be doing something. I don't want to be in the room to pick holes in my work. Uh, which, by the way, is not hard to do because there's, 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 there's holes in everybody and, and it's easy to pick holes in, in, in anybody's work for that matter. <laughs> I, 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 the starting point for me is, is, is your life okay? And, and if that answer to the question is no, this is not okay. This is not what I want. I want to make a change. That's the starting point. Have you got the courage to let go and be vulnerable and to be real and to not have the answers and allow me to guide you? My work really is I don't want to change you. I don't have a 10-step process in order to make a better life. I think that's a waste of time. Um, me, my work is all about uncovering more of who you are and getting you clear on what it is you're here to do. So it's really, it's about uncovering the clarity that's already there within that individual, whether it's your, you, you, whether you're destined to be a coach in this world, whether you're destined to write a book, whether you're destined to be an amazing father, whether it's destined to be a better leader, whatever that is, it's already there. I just help you dust it off and uncover it and step into it and begin to believe it and live it. And a lot of times, thanks, Philip, is a lot of times people have squelched it or like your teacher did where he said, hey, Philip, this is not for you. And you were really encouraging and helping people to see what's always, always been there. Now, Philip, you have a, um, a recent book, uh, Rich on Paper, Poor on Life. Uh, share with us uh, sort of the contents in that book beyond what you've covered so far. Yeah, I mean, it's just a series of, of very simple stories illustrating, um, you know, how blinded people are to their brilliance and how blinded people are to their truth and, and how these people have very simply pivoted to be better mothers, to, to be better husbands, to be better parents, to be better leaders, to be better in business, to give themselves permission to uh, do the things in this earth that they want to do. So it's a collection of, it's a, it's a, I suppose it's a philosophy. And then it's illustrated by real life stories, 15 in total, if my memory is correct, under three categories, work, self and others. So three kind of professional examples, three relationship examples and three external relationship examples, sorry, five of each, excuse me. Um, And I wrote that book. I can't even remember when I wrote that book three or four years ago, and I'm working on a new book at the moment. And so I believe in storytelling. Storytelling is a huge part of what I believe in. Mm -hmm. Um, I run an event called One Last Talk, which is all about helping people stand on stage and share their story, because I don't believe there's anything more powerful on this earth than one's individual story. And somebody asked me only three or four nights ago, 
And she said something really interesting. I'm going to ask you a question. She said, I'm not sure you're going to tell me the truth. And I said, well, that's a really interesting thing. He said, do you believe that everybody has a story? And I said, no. And she goes, great, because she was kind of almost didn't want to believe that. And I said, I don't I don't believe it because I know it. Everyone has a story, but not everybody believes their story matters. And that's where we spend a lot of time in society pointing at the person that has a better story than us putting them on a pedestal. And what we do is we play down the significance of our story. And therefore we wonder why we don't get the same results that we're looking for. And we yearn and we desire than other people in society. Mm -hmm. Awesome, Philip. Now, Philip, if people want to find out more about your work, what is, what are some of the contact points for you so that they could learn more or find out more about you? Uh, very simple, philipmckernan.com. And um, if anybody's interested in watching a film, which basically a documentary I did uh, was a year, maybe a year and a half ago, around the difference between a talent and a gift, they can just go to giveandgrow.com and then forward slash the secrets of success, which is, is your name of, of your podcast, um, giveandgrow.com forward slash the secrets of success. And they can actually download the film there for free. How long is that documentary, Philip? It's about an hour. Okay, awesome, awesome. I look forward to actually uh, watching it here uh, shortly. So we have about five minutes or so left in the show, Philip. What would be sort of some final words of in wisdom or encouragement uh, for the listeners today so that they can have these takeaways and, and act on them from your work? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I just, I suppose what's coming up for me is, 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 is just you know, we're, we're sometimes we're just so much more powerful than we imagine. And, you know, I'm not a big, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm an advocate of coaching simply because that's what I do professionally, but I do believe that we need some support um, to really, you know, find out, you know, really have somebody really kind of push our buttons, challenge us to the core and to really help us understand like, you know, who we are at the core, who we're not at the mm. core. But the thing that absolutely blows my mind is when people start to really, really are honest with themselves and they have the courage to, people think courage is all around action. So people say to me all the time, oh my God, what courage it took to move from Ireland to Canada? Wow, what courage it took to move from Canada to the United States? What courage it took to run your first workshop, to do your first book? And with respect, that's not the courage. The courage it starts in one place and one place only. And that's beginning to believe that perhaps you are not living in the right city, that you are not doing the right work, that you are not in the right relationship, that perhaps you do have a gift over your talent, that perhaps you are here to make a difference, that you could be a better leader than you are, a better parent than you are. That's the courage. So to me, people put way too much emphasis on the action. And the action is obviously incredibly important because, you know, the idea and the dreaming without the action eventually is going to mean not a whole lot either. But just take out a pen and paper and just ask yourself some really simple questions. Is this, am I really happy with the work that I do? Is it really aligned to who I am? Am I really happy in my own skin? Do I really have a lot of respect for myself? Do I love the people that I'm with? And, um, you know, could I deepen those relationships? And that's the courage. And from there, I think, it'll, you know, the truth sometimes feels painful and that's why people avoid it. And it feels insurmountable. And, and, and that to me is just very simple. I would just encourage anybody just to sit down someday with themselves, with a pen, with a paper, and identify where they're out of alignment and just begin to dream about what's possible for themselves without any judgment. Because once we start to uncover how out of alignment we are, we tend to move to a place of judgment. 
and go to places like, oh, for God's sake, I'm 45 years old and I still haven't figured out my passion. I'm, 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 I'm 52 years old and I haven't got the money that I thought I'd have. I'm, I'm, I'm 35 years old. I'm still single. And we tend to go to these very judgmental places. And that's what I used to do. And when there's judgment present, there's no growth, zero growth potential, zero and when I started to realize I actually am out of alignment, but I approached it with excitement and possibility, then I started to see things that I could not see before. And then I dipped my toe in. And again, this need in society not to get from one bank of the river to the other bank, which equals success. It, it, we just have this obsession about jumping the whole river. Take the stepping stone. Take the first move. And if it doesn't work out, don't beat the shit out of yourself. Be nice to yourself. Be kind to yourself and say, you know what? It didn't work. But now I know. Maybe there's a different stepping stone. So ease in. And before you know it, you'll be three or four years down the line. You'll go, holy crap, I feel so much happier than I ever imagined I could. And that to me is a, is a real sustainable, sustainable success. Um, so I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's just what come, that's what's coming completely to me Completely right does, now. completely does, Philip. And Philip, I'd just love to uh, thank you for taking the time to be on the show, hanging out with us, encouraging our listeners. And so thanks for uh, contacting us from United States, now that you've moved. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, everybody, that has been Philip. And make sure you contact him. If you're interested in his work, uh, reach out to him. And we're going to have a link in the podcast um, narrative that's gone out where you can watch his documentary. And, you know, when you think about it, you matter. All the work here at CRG is helping to get to know yourself, to go deeper, to be connected with self and each have this gift. You each have a purpose to be able to share and to grow in life and to contribute and to really have this fulfillment. So thank you for listening. And as we end each show, we do ask if you like what we're doing, please share, leave a positive uh, comment on any platform that you're listening. And we appreciate you giving us the most valuable thing that you have, and that's your time. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Key. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.